We've got a great show for you tonight. And I say that not Conan O'Brien style. <laughs> the bottle of brown podcast i'm your host danny paul with me as always is the vice host leon coventry leon danny happy thursday happy thursday to you sir how's your week been week's been good i'll be honest not not a great day today and uh i'm hope i don't i don't know what the rule is so i didn't ask my dentist but uh nine o'clock this morning i went through an hour and 30 minute root canal and that's fun. So as my numb mouth starts to become unnumb and transfer over into pain and lockjaw throughout the evening, I'm hoping my brown will uh, help me out. I, I don't know what the rules are. Probably shouldn't be drinking brown on open wounds in your mouth, but I'm doing it. It is an alcohol uh, and alcohol is a natural uh, anesthetic and bacteria killer. So I believe uh, you're just fine. Dr. Danny, I'll take your advice because yep. I like what you have to say. Yep. Not a doctor. <laughs> but I do like the cut of your jib, sir. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's been a good week. How about you? Ah, not bad. Not bad. I uh, jumped back on my blog train. The blog that I that I write weekly. I got blogs going for uh, a couple of different sources. Uh, since I got no day job, that's kind of my day job. and. Uh, interviewing for another day job just to pay the bills, you know, while we get this thing going. And I got to say the interview process is just as boring and tedious as everyone says. Where do you see yourself in five years? Good times. Celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking me this question. <laughs> yeah. Five years. I'll tell you where I see myself tomorrow. Getting a phone call from you. <laughs> Uh, what's your brown tonight? That's an excellent question, sir. So I was at the, uh, I was at the Costco's today and mm -hmm. I saw triple B's, uh, famous modestly priced receptacle. And I uh, picked up myself a bottle of that $19 small batch, uh, Kirkland signature bourbon. That is a win. And I got to say, nice it's very, it's very blonde. Yes. It's, uh, Got a nice color to it, but it's light. It's airy. It's um, crisp, brisk. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking of. It's like that old Lipton iced tea. It's brisk. It's a nice summer bourbon. Mm -hmm. It's very refreshing. What about you, sir? What's your what's your action? I went with the very exotic Woodford Reserve. Ooh. And now it's not exotic at all. But the reason I'm drinking it is because recently I found out, although I've heard it through the grapevine, um, that Woodford is the official sponsor of PGA. So you know, given Hot that damn. given that it is uh, the first day of the Open Championship, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I am supporting my my golf brethren and uh, having 
and American bourbon while they're overseas. Preach. Well done, sir. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's delicious. It's like a daily drinker. Okay. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> didn't get very deep in the in the the bracket though, but still good. Uh, no, no, it didn't. But uh, Woodford's pretty solid. The uh, speaking of of the Costco's, as I was going through all of the selections today, I did come upon the glass case, and I thought, which one of these bastards am I going to buy when I get a a full job time job? But then I looked over, and that that Woodford bottle is it's like a gallon of bourbon. Like it's some serious mm-hmm. business. Like you need two hands to hold that thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember Woodford from the bracket. I remember liking it. It's good. It's it's good. It just doesn't, you know, I wouldn't say that it's special, but it, it is delicious. It makes, it's a good mixer. Yeah, just I think like that's a good, it's a good mixer. For it. It's it's good, like solid, like you, you don't hesitate when you say it's good. Mm-hmm. But then you say, eh, yeah, it's good. Right. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's, uh, you know, you would defend it if anybody ever talked trash on it. You go, no, 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 it's good. But you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't rank it above some others in your stable. But yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting before we, we go on to the next one. And I know I have plenty of time to bitch about things going on later on, but I will tell you, we need to do a, better education campaign mm-hmm. across the United States or servers. Bartenders seem to get it, but servers need to be trained because triple B and I almost always when we're out, we order, what, what do you have bourbon? What bourbon do you have? And I always get responses like we have makers, we have Woodford, we have Jack Daniels. And that's where I just shrug yeah. and go, okay. I'll go up and look. You're fired. <laughs> you don't actually know. Yeah. And I had one that actually came back to me with a bullet. And I, I said, you pick whatever you got up there, pick a good one, pick it for me and, and bring it back. And I want it neat. And they brought me bullet. It's like, this is a good one. It's, it's called bullet. Have you had it before? And I'm like, you, you're killing me. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'll drink it. It's no, you no. don't, you should have asked your bartender before you That's gave right. me bullet. The only bullet you take straight is the movie. That's right. So we need an educational campaign. Start. Let's start a GoFundMe. I like it. GoFundMe to teach the servers proper whiskey nomenclature. PWA. There you go. <laughs> Papa Whiskey November. <gasps> we, got thing. we got a thing. <laughs> All right. Coming to you in the 11th month of the year. Papa Whiskey November. Proper whiskey nomenclature. You heard it here first. Uh, I think I'm ready to make hats and shirts with that on there. I think so, too. It, I think put so, Put it too. on the store. <laughs> the, 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 ma- yes, the yes, the uh, the forthcoming store. Yes, the Magic 23 the, the ma- can, can purchase Magic 23. solid graphic goods. <laughs> all right. And uh, speaking of the Magic 23, if you want to contribute to the show, you can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can email Leon. You can email Danny. Give us ideas for the show. Contradict anything we say or generally say what's up. We'll do a shout out. All emails are welcome. And with that, my friend, let's get on to brown news. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. You're going to need a couple of things. You're going to need a shot glass, and you're going to need some whiskey. And I got news for you.
Today's brown news comes to us from our friends over at the Whiskey Advocate. And in the spirit of the fact that you got served bullet as a, it's good, you should try it. Uh, let's talk about one of our signature drinks going back to the days of prohibition and speakeasies and what to do now that we have to find a bar that's you know hard to reach and has no sign like from swingers. Let's go to the old fashioned. Old fashions come in a variety of different options. There is the old fashioned that most people know from your traditional mixology bartenders catalog. Uh, Wisconsinites mm -hmm. think that they have their own old fashioned. I've also heard of an old fashioned from Florida and I've heard of an old fashioned from Massachusetts. Have you heard of any other versions of the old fashioned? I don't know that I've, I always order it when I'm at a really nice bar uh, just to see how they make it. Uh, see what they do differently and some of it is quite a production mm -hmm. and in uh, earlier shows we talked about how it can get like that with gin when you go over the pond but there is definitely places when you get into the south where it is a production and it's a it's a sense of pride to make it old-fashioned i don't know that it's like ribs though the way you're describing it's like st louis ribs are not the same as you know, Kansas city ribs are not the same. There's very, very different, you know? So uh, is, is that, uh, is that what the whiskey advocates trying to say here? Uh, well, the whiskey advocate puts a liner down here in this opening uh, teaser shot of a nice sweaty old fashioned glass with what looks like a mini baseball bat that I, my guess is they're trying to play it off as a cigar, or maybe it's just a pestle for crushing the sugar cube. And then it's got a cherry in it and a nice stir stick. It's a very nice picture. It says down here, with a base of whiskey, sugar, and bitters, the old-fashioned has nearly infinite permutations. And so I think what happens is it's such a simple concept. And uh, if you think about the ingredient list here, it's a sugar cube or a teaspoon of sugar, two dashes of Angostura bitters, two ounces of bourbon or rye, lemon or orange twist for garnish. And the first mm -hmm. thing that comes to mind is, you know, the only hooch they had back in the 20s under Prohibition was whatever they could smuggle in. It was usually moonshine or turpentine or white lightning and you know that shit you're gonna have to put all kinds of sugar and sweeteners in it to make a drink out of it so mm -hmm. the fact that you would have a specific type of old-fashioned it's like whatever can get you to swallow the thing without gagging on the rubbing alcohol that some of those places had as, as alcohol so that's where i think it is comes from i don't think it's there probably is no chemistry in the barbecue sauce the way North Carolina versus South Carolina ribs are, or Memphis versus St. Louis versus Texas, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I, I see your rib uh, analogy, but I think it's it's a drink that doesn't have a specific definition. Therefore, wherever you're from, that's your old fashioned. So mm -hmm. there should be a bottle of brown old fashioned. We'll just uh, make our own. Yeah, I I'm for it. Do you typically order old fashions, or is that no? Your I, that's guy. like a, yeah. like. Don Draper drinks an old fashioned. Uh, if you've got rye, certainly an old fashioned is a cool drink. I used to order a Manhattan when we were in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. just because that seemed like a cool drink. But I don't know that I really dug a Manhattan more than an old fashioned or any other prohibition drink. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. Starts, go for it. Uh, oh, no, the, the best old fashioned I've ever had is a very <laughs> unlikely place, Hil Hilton Anatole down in dallas texas hmm. and it's just it's just a hilton but it's it's a it's like a resort style one i think they even have like a 
lazy river or something in the back. I mean, it's that big of a hill, but they have a really nice whiskey bar at the very, very top of this place. And the way that they make their old fashioned, again, full on production, yeah. they have like a blowtorch and they get wood and they light it on fire on, on the bar and then put your cup over it and capture the smoke. And while you're smoking the glass, they take that torch and peel off a piece of an orange and torch that orange peel, rub it all over the top of your glass. And then they muddle in some of the sugar and everything. I mean, it's quite a production, but I will tell you, it is a hell of an old fashioned. Oh, I bet. So, yeah. So, so any, any level of theatrics that you can put into a drink will probably add to the flavor just by virtue of it being entertaining. So you're like, wow, I get to drink this thing too. Yeah. It's like art. Yeah. It's like when you go to Benihana's and he makes the onion ring volcano and then he makes the fried rice with everything and he spins the eggs around. You think to yourself, that's fried rice, but damn, he went to all the trouble. (laughs) That's true. So the article starts for centuries. The old fashioned has remained a staple at bars around the world. It's literally the definitive cocktail. So saith Sam Treadway, owner of back bar in Somerville, Massachusetts back bar. Wicked awesome. He's the proprietor of back bar in Somerville. Once upon a time, the word cocktail meant specifically this one drink as trendy newer cocktails were invented. It became known as the old fashioned cocktail. All right. I like it. I'll buy that for a dollar. It's doubtful that the elaborate craft cocktails of today will be remembered in a century, but owing to its short list of common ingredients and simplicity, the old-fashioned endures. As we said, it's uh, sugar, bitters, bourbon or rye, and some citrus, lemon or orange twist for garnish. In an old-fashioned or short rocks glass, add your sugars, your bitters, and half a splash of water. Agitate with a spoon or muddler to dissolve the sugar. Add whiskey in one large ice cube or several small ones and stir well. Twist the citrus peel to release the oils and run it around the rim of the glass, then drop it into the cocktail. And then, of course, it goes on to say, tweak your technique, try different things, add a tiny bit of this, a little bit of that, so on and so forth. That's fun. I I mean, the way I, I make them here at home is I use simple syrup usually homemade mm-hmm. and I God, you, it's hard to go through bitters. So I usually buy one is, <laughs> and when it starts to corrode away in my refrigerator, then I will go on to the next bitters. But I think I had a blood, blood orange one right now. That's pretty good. Ooh, that sounds and good. Uh, it, it, it's a citrus, anything citrusy, anything with bourbon in it. Uh, the most important thing, to me for a good old fashioned, it does have to be a stronger, more potent bourbon. Uh, you can't put the sweet stuff in there. You can't do, uh, you can't do double oaked. Uh, you can't do, you know, there's, there's a lot of sweeter, uh, versions out there. Um, but you, you want something that almost is too burny in your cup. <laughs> if you want a good old fashioned, cause all the sugar and everything else is going to, is going to sand it down. So, yep, yep for sure. So it harkens back to what it was saying is this was a, this was a mask for nasty grain alcohol. Uh, the article goes on to say, you can go deeper. You can play with the various ingredients. And so what I really liked about this article is it kind of goes deep on the idea of what else you can do. So you, you brought up simple syrup. Uh, mm-hmm. You could substitute honey. You could substitute agave syrup. You ever had agave syrup? I have. Yeah. It's not bad. It's, it's, um, 
it's not as sweet, but it's got a stronger kind of sweetness to it than sugar does. Sugar like hits you and then goes away. Agave <laughs> kind of lingers a little bit. You've got brown sugar, maple syrup for our uh, friends Canadian. in the Northeast. <laughs> uh, Splenda, about that, but it is an option. It is an option. It's an option. And uh, last one here I thought was interesting is cherry syrup. Maraschino cherries are packed in a sweet sugar syrup. Mitchell suggests using a bar spoon's worth of syrup, which is roughly one eighth ounce or three quarter teaspoons, or you can smash a cherry in the glass to free its syrup. What do you think of that? Cherry syrup, speak. Uh, I think it's creative and I'm for it. And um, it's almost as if it's the bourbon version of a dirty martini. So mm. just use the cherry syrup instead of. Uh, the olive juice. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, so, bitters is like an it. integral part of holding the drink together. It's almost like adding salt and pepper to a food dish, adding that the bitters can make the other flavors in the cocktail taste even better. Don't have bitters? Don't skip. Replace. You can achieve a good approximation with the tannins of black tea and bitter citrus peel. It's an interesting idea. So uh, a citrus peel and a tea bag. That seems too creative. Yeah, it's very creative. Just go get bitters. I mean, you're out three bucks for like the rest of your life because you'll never go through it. Yep. <laughs> you only, and, you only uh, do a couple dashes of it, unless uh, you're a bartender. One, you got to have black tea around. Uh, and then, of course, you need a garnish. So there is a possibility of a lemon twist, an orange peel, a maraschino cherry, lots of versions of the garnish that'll work very well. You could try a toasted marshmallow, caramel corn, or even gummy bears. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. But that's the final hit of sugar, which again brings about the idea that you should be probably drinking some some low-grade hooch. Oh, I like the caramel corn idea though for uh Halloween time. Halloween old fashions. Mm. I like that. Hot damn. So uh of course, typical of whiskey advocate articles, they do have a list of suggested browns that you can go for. They suggest a uh, $40 bottle of perhaps. Maker's Mark, uh, High West Double Rye, Suntory Toki, if you want to go in the Japanese whiskey. If you want to play with the blended scotch, you could do Johnny Walker 12, black label. Get a little smoky smoky in there. You want to do a single malt, you can go with Glen Marangi, or of course, the Irishman Founders Reserve. If you want to go 60 bucks and over, there's our guy, Bullet. Mm -hmm. uh, New Riff Bottled and Bond Rye. And of course, they have a Japanese blended single Irish. Oh, and a Canadian. You could go Crown Royal Noble Collection. This is the part where we're kind of going off the rails here. If you're going to do $100 a bottle to make no. an old-fashioned. Don't do it. Why would you waste? Well, I, all due respect. <sighs> why would you waste Whistlepig 10-year-old on a mixed drink? No, I don't. You're not a person I want to hang out with. That's, that is a complete waste. Uh, Kentucky Peerless, I don't have a lot of uh, exposure to. Masterson Straight Rye, that's not acceptable. Bruchladach, mm. I don't know that one. And Terconel, 16-year-old Oloroso and Moscatel cask-finished single malt. That's a dumb idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, next time you're out and uh, you got some, some handle-worthy 
whiskey out there or some rye and you want to make yourself a classic drink, you got some sugar, put together some sugar, some bitters, and some brown with a little citrus for garnish. And you got yourself the eponymous old fashioned. And that wraps up Brown News. Brown News. Brown News. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into uh, business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. Today's business news comes to us from Popular Science, popside.com. The article is titled, The Argument for a Permanent Olympic City. Olympic stadiums can be costly and wasteful, so why not just have one? I thought this was a very interesting idea because I've read about all of the trouble that Olympic cities bring. Uh, there is supposedly supposed to be a at least dollar twenty for every dollar return. Sometimes you've heard as much as three hundred five per dollar spent. But the idea is that the economic rebound that a city can get from an event like the Olympics is supposed to bring in all kinds of revenue and the investment is a good thing for tourism and blah, 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 blah. The only cities that I can think of off the top of my head without doing any further research is cities that people already want to go to that the Olympic facilities just made them better. Like Atlanta has one of, if not the largest airport in the country. And so the Atlanta Mm -hmm. Olympic Stadium is a nice draw on top of uh, CNN and the Cobb Galleria and and all the sports teams in Atlanta, all the other reasons you want to be in Atlanta other than the Olympics. Los Angeles mm-hmm. has the Coliseum. You've got all of these other areas here. The picture for this article is uh, Munich. Like you already want to go to Munich. There's beer yeah. gardens everywhere. Then you get well, into the question of just put it in Greece. Yeah, but do you want to do you want to put a a big Olympic stadium in a city that people aren't likely to go to? Uh, Tokyo, for example, is a city that everybody goes to, so their investment's going to yield. Mm-hmm. But all the other cities that get them, it's like people don't want to go there anyway. So, what good is an Olympic stadium? Uh, so the article begins: the Summer Olympics have been a quadrennial tradition ever since the late 1800s, when modern sports and rivalries freshened up the ancient tradition. Since COVID-19 crashed the schedule for last year's events, now the world is gearing up again for another round of competition in Tokyo. Transporting athletes and fans from all over the world to cities hosting the Olympic Games comes with a gigantic carbon footprint. For example, the 2021 London Olympics had an estimated footprint of over 400,000 tons of CO2 emissions. Constantly building brand new stadiums every few years that often go unused after the Games, with very few exceptions, is also extremely wasteful. The 2016 Rio Olympics whipped up a whopping 3.6 million tons of carbon when including all that went into infrastructure. Eerie listicles of decaying stadiums, including Rio's, litter the internet with costly examples of the wasted hundreds of millions of dollars worth of labor and materials that go into just one site. Now, the reason we save this for business news is because typically these arenas are funded by public money which means taxes and infrastructure, which means you're paying for it. If you live in that city, you're paying for these stadiums. And if you don't go see these games, then that's your money being spent on something you don't enjoy. 
And if you go, don't go enjoy them after the games are over, then again, your money spent on something you don't enjoy. So the article makes the argument, why don't we just have an Olympic city that we all go to, party every four years, and leave? And mm-hmm. then if anybody wants to see the Olympics, you can hold the world games there in the three years that are off year. Uh, you can treat it as a legitimate professional athletic event location, right? Yep. Well, here's my two cents on it. And I think there's two things going on at the same time, which something needs to be fixed or the Olympics or these cities that are being picked are going to dramatically fail. The Olympics used to be, hey, we're going to bring all the nations together. We're going to compete honorably and we're going to, uh, you know, symbolize that we're all still one world and you had to be an amateur to go in there. It was, it was a very different type of games. The other thing that was going on at the same time was, okay, so you've moved this around and this, this idea of escalation started coming out. Right. And I almost want to say, was it China that did the opening ceremony with like the thousands of people like beating the drums mm-hmm. all in unison. And like, everyone's trying to one up each other on the next one to do it. At the same time, the Olympic committee is going in and listening to these pitches from these cities. Like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to build nine new stadiums and I'm going to reroute our entire water supply. So you could have a kayaking route and we're going to, you know, they, they, they make all these things up so that, and these unbelievable promises so that at eight and 12 years, when they get to host the Olympics, the escalation alone has caused them to never be able to recover this money. Mm-hmm. Because what you really needed to do was just build a couple stadiums and use your natural landscape uh, for, the, for those types of events. And that's really how you should have had the Summer Winter Olympics. The other thing that's going on at the same time is television and accessibility for the world is getting better, right? Everyone remembers the line uh, from the hockey match, do you believe in miracles, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is that that happened at what time in the morning? Like nobody was watching that and it wasn't live because of where it was in the world and the TV coverage. You know, you watch that old footage, watching hockey when it wasn't high def was almost impossible because you can't even see the puck. So as, as our technology's gotten better, you can watch it on your phone. They have 40 different channels. You can watch everything from, you know, every ridiculous event. And as opposed to this curated one TV channel, NBC, who decides what you're going to watch and when you're going to watch it and how much of it, which actually forced people to say, you know what? I don't want to watch mainstream. I want to go out and watch the cross-country skiing shooting event because that's what I'm into. So they would travel to the Olympics and watch it. But now they don't have to. So you have less people with a desire to travel to the cities, which is the reason they want to bring you in there um, to do it. And they've already way overextended themselves on what it required to build these cities uh, to do it. And absolutely... Uh, I don't I don't mind them making the pollution argument here, mm-hmm. uh, although something could be said for the 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 China Olympics. 
they, it actually saved them from pollution. If you remember, they had to shut off all their factories, I want to mm-hmm. say six weeks before, because yeah. the pollution was so bad, the Olympic Committee said, we're not going to, we can't do it there. So it actually improved the pollution in China, just so that they, just for the weeks that they were there. But outside of that, it was, uh, they're, they're a complete disaster. But the, I agree with this. Let's, Let's find a way that to make it a beneficial for everyone, for all the cities, all the different countries involved so that everyone can benefit. But it is absolutely ridiculous that we're building this infrastructure for these events that aren't drawing like they used to. They're just not. Yeah, 100%. That's my two cents. 100%. The argument is always, this is great for the city. We'll get new infrastructure. We'll make money. But the financial cost of the games are rarely covered by the International Olympic Committee. So many major cities have lost the equivalent of millions of dollars hosting the games, money that could be used to help cities switch to renewable energy to keep up with growing promises to meet net zero carbon goals. Hosting the Olympics in a single location could mean more environmental oversight, especially for governments that do not take climate and environment issues seriously. Uh, construction that led to 2014, which was the Sochi Games in Russia, was rife with illegal waste dumping, limiting water access for locals and disrupting the migration routes of regional wildlife. The main event itself was hosted inside the Sochi National Park, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site that boasts the greatest biodiversity anywhere in Russia. So the, the main article that Popular Science is trying to make is the Olympics are horrible for the environment and every four years somewhere we ruin shit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're making the, the financial argument, with the idea of television and the internet bring everything everywhere to anyone on demand. So pick mm-hmm. a spot, do the games, let everybody enjoy it. Yeah. And I, and I think you could actually draw more people if it became a singular location, um, not just during the Olympics, but when it's not the Olympics, right? When the Olympics events are over, and you know, Rio is probably not a great example, but, um, you know, maybe Sochi would be. People aren't, I'm not going to go visit Sochi <laughs> because the Olympics were there. That's what I mean. You know? Why would you go? You wouldn't. But let's just say for some reason that Ibiza is where the Olympics will be held in perpetuity. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. That sounds awesome, right? And even if the Olympics aren't going on to be like, Oh yeah, here's, here's the state. It means something to me because you see it every four years and you see uh, it becomes the, the Wrigley field, right? It becomes a mainstay and it's, and it becomes something bigger than just the, the one time that it was there. And, you know, a lot of these places I heard in Rio got bulldozed, you know, shortly after, which is just a tragedy. So Right. Once they're done with it, they just dump it. Right. So uh, John Short, a public policy professor at University of Maryland, has a couple of quotes in this article. I want to finish with one of his statements before we close out business news. If you had an Olympic-sized Greek island, the place would be a site for international meetings involving everything from math competitions to folklore to helping young athletes from poorer countries for training. The Olympic Games is the last of this throwaway package mentality. Build this stadium, then move on. It just seems ludicrous in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And I 100% agree. No, I, I 100% support this article's uh, arguments. I think there's many more to be had, but we, something needs to be had. And not to mention, I do think 
you've heard that FIFA is just ripe with corruption on mm-hmm. how they're mm-hmm. they're selecting their World Cup cities. And I I don't know I don't know anybody on the Olympic committees or the World Olympic committees, but I assure you, money is transferring behind closed doors to people at the top so that the Olympics show up in cities. Yeah, I mean, why why would Qatar be a site for the international soccer match? Is there a is there a league that goes through there? No, they have a lot of money and they handed it to the right person. Yeah, and that's okay. Understood. If that's the way it is, then it's pay to play and be honest about it. And then maybe the Olympics will lose some of its uh, valor and glory of the spirit of competition. Anyway, that wraps up our business news. Let's move on to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Yes. Today's crank file comes to us from the New Zealand Heralds nzherald.co.nz. This article is dated 29th of June, 2021. So it's a little late for this broadcast, but I just could not pass it up because I died laughing. (laughs) Woke Coke. (laughs) Drug dealers in the United Kingdom are marketing ethically sourced cocaine. This is like, you know, blood diamonds and, um, you know, coffee that's ethically sourced. Like we're we're ethically sourcing our blow, mate. Because cokeheads really care about that. That's Fuck important. Dude. Marketing has invaded the black market like no other. <laughs> so uh, where do you get Where do you get your coke? Uh, from him. Whichever mm. Kiwi wrote this, and I'm trying. There's no name. There's no name attached to the article. So whichever Kiwi wrote this is my new best friend. Brits looking to ease their conscience over their involvement in bloody drug wars overseas are now being targeted by cynical dealers selling what they claim is ethically sourced cocaine. Users have revealed a high demand for the so-called woke coke at posh dinner parties across the UK. Drug policy expert Neil Woods told the Daily Mirror, I've been shown ads for environmentally friendly sniff, but it's nothing but a very clever marketing ploy. (laughs) He revealed that users were paying through the nose for the gimmick. At mm. 200 pounds sterling a gram, I call it the woke Coke con. <laughs> Woods, argued there was, Woods argued there was no way to produce environmentally friendly or ethically sourced cocaine. And it was another way to fuel the obscene amount of money being generated by the cocaine trade in the United Kingdom, which rakes in, get this, $4.95 billion annually. That's going to be bigger than some countries' economies. That's unbelievable. That is insane. You know what's interesting, right? We just did a uh, our HOA lets you rent out parks, right, for for events. Oh, um, and uh, you know we uh, we just had one for my daughter's birthday or five. We just very small mm-hmm. couple people, but we you know twenty five bucks. We rented out the park for a couple hours. You know, they do a posting sign whenever it says it's ours for these for these times. But when they, they actually came by and said, all right, just so you know, like while we were setting up the party, no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks, but it makes sense. Um, no loud or no and no alcohol and no cocaine is what they said. <laughs> and I was like, OK, well, I, I get the alcohol one. Why is it? I mean, 
can't cocaine ever. So is this an issue? You to, <laughs> you're calling out something. Is like, this an issue you're trying to squelch? Uh, yeah, and also no firearms. Got it. Got it. Yeah, all these make sense at a park with children. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fireworks, alcohol, no problem. They're all illegal. But coke? What? <laughs> We're out of here, honey. Pack it yeah. up. They said Pack no coke. This boo, this man. <laughs> Oh, cocaine. The article continues. I've never heard of woke coke, but I can tell you no one in Colombia produces cocaine ethically. The trade inevitably involves bloodshed, the destabilization of communities, and an appalling cycle of violence. If demand goes up, so does production, and the cycle of destruction continues. What you call fair trade cocaine is only going to bring more greed and bloodshed. Uh, A former soap opera actress who appeared in the United Kingdom, revealed that celebrities were hoovering up the story and the marching powder. In October, she claimed, in Chiswick, everyone's got woke Coke. It's from sustainable sources. They're like, hi, darling, I got woke Coke. It's all PC, 200 pound a gram. They've got their vegan food, their organic wine, and their woke Coke and a spliff going. They say, it's fine. It's fine. I know it's sustainable. We're actually putting back into the countryside. When you look back on the hypocrisy, it's bullshit. <laughs> who is who is marketing this? Like, where does marketing for oh. cocaine occur? Like, obviously, <laughs> I don't know because mark good targeted marketing, especially in a four point six billion or was it how many billion? Five billion dollars. It's five billion dollar industry. It's a five billion dollar industry. Clearly, they're good at marketing, and any good marketer will target their their demographic perfectly, which means I'm not their demographic. I've never seen uh, good marketing for cocaine. How, how does one find out? Like, is it from your dealer? Like, oh, did you want the regular stuff that kills the planet? Or do you want the green, uh, environmentally friendly cocaine? Oh, I want that one. That's the one I want. I want the organic cocaine. Is that what's happening here? It has to be. I took a few marketing classes in grad school. And so I I would consider myself somewhat of a subject matter expert of the field of marketing. And there is no marketing class for how to market to rich people. But if there was, this would be case study number one. How can you convince them that what they're doing is a good thing? And then just take their money. Mm-hmm. That's what this is to me. It's, no, ah, it's totally fine that you're breaking the law and, and snorting a, a illegal substance up your nose. It's completely filled with chemicals with a little bit of a green leaf in it. It's not, it's totally fine. Now, whatever. It's, you know, an entire country's reputation is completely destroyed for the last 30 years of our lives because of that. Ah, that's fine. It's, it's ethically sourced. No problem. It's, there was, there was no death. There was no destruction. <laughs> there was no child labor. Oh, no children were killed in the making of this cocaine. Yeah, I'm a little bummed that the article doesn't go into what what exactly is ethical. How do you uh, sustainable? What what is sustainable? It's a yeah, it's a plant, but then you got to add like the the processing of cocaine involves chemicals. It involves a lot of chemistry. There's a lot of other things going on. So how how do you make anything sustainable? with a product that's based on 
chemistry. Anyway, that wraps up Crank File. That is wonderful. And the Crank File spinoff. Your favorite. Uh, my second favorite, but yes, oh, your very, second favorite. Right, I like the Crank on. File lately. The Crank File has been pretty awesome. Because Florida. Because anything goes to Florida. Come on down and do your worst. <laughs> yes. Uh, this one, this one kind of, this hit me in the feels because I got to, uh, I got to wipe my ass with my beloved Patriots on this one, but I just, I couldn't let this one go. Stanley cup dented amid Tampa Bay lightning second boat parade in 10 months. These fuckers won the Stanley two years in a row. And all just because the Buccaneers won their sports championship and decided to be idiots on a body of water in Florida, Tampa Bay lightning went, hold my beer. And they dented Lord Stanley's Cup, which had to be sent to Canada for repairs, by the way. Just saying. In all fairness, that is the most obnoxious trophy in all of sports. That thing is enormous. I love it. There's only one. Uh, There's just one, but it is enormous. So the fact that people are lifting that thing around and drinking out of it, uh, it's a matter of time. Things got to get a little bit dinged up every year, I bet. They go run around on the ice with it. Again, Lord Stanley's Cup has been around how long? The Lombardi Trophy has been around how long? You had to bring the championship to Florida before you have these studies. (laughs) Captain Steven Stamkos wore a T-shirt bearing the message back to boat, which set the tone for another signature Champa Bay celebration. Another signature Champa Bay celebration. I repeat Who's going to break the news to Steven Stamkos? As did a picture that went viral on social media showing a significantly dented Stanley Cup. The back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning were toasted with a boat parade on the Hillsborough River for the second time in 10 months with thousands of fans no longer burdened by COVID-19 restrictions gathering downtown to join the fun. Now, granted, good for you. You won the championship. Celebrate. Good for you. Have a parade. Everybody has a parade. The Stanley Cup's time at the parade, however, was unfortunately cut short as the bowl of the cup was dented during the festivities. The <laughs> Hockey Hall of Fame's keepers of the cup can be seen carrying it with a blanket covering the bowl and then loading it in the back of a car. A source told ESPN's Greg Wyshynski that the cup will be shipped back to Canada for repairs. There's no word on how the cup was damaged. Oh, uh, we know. Well, Eric, to what you were saying, this is far from the first time the cup has been damaged during player festivities. For example, back in 2008, the Stanley Cup was pushed off a table at Chris Chelios's bar in Detroit when the Red Wings won. The scene on Monday, five days after the Lightning closed out a five-game Stanley Cup final over the Montreal Canadiens, hardly resembled the riverfront gathering organized after the team won last year's title while playing in empty arenas because of the coronavirus pandemic. Dozens of residents on boats and other watercraft enjoyed a close view of the vessels carrying players and coaches. A post-parade rally in a downtown park was delayed more than an hour when a heavy thunderstorm accompanied by gusting winds sent fans scattering for cover. Now, the reason that I mention this is because the article goes on to say the third time in 10 months that the Tampa Bay region has celebrated a professional sports time with a unique parade concept, Tampa Bay officials developed to provide the lightning and the Buccaneers a way to party safely with fans during the pandemic. 
The Bucks were honored five months ago after winning the Super Bowl for the first time in 18 years with thousands lining the downtown riverfront while being encouraged to wear masks and observe social distancing practices. The February celebration capped the magical postseason run that the Tom Brady-led Bucks began by winning three straight playoff games on the road before finishing the journey by becoming the first team to win a Super Bowl played in its home stadium. Now, granted, Tommy Cool played 20 years in New England. He is the GOAT. He has the most rings. He has the best stats. He is the man. He got shit-faced and threw the Lombardi from one boat to another, and he was one yard from putting that thing at the bottom of the Hillsborough River. <laughs> it's so true. I have never seen him that drunk. Like his his fellow teammates were basically carrying him off of that boat parade. So that place, that's where you go to party. Dude, that, that dude had the tightest publicists. He was always shiny. He was always pressed. He was always ready to rock. He goes down to Florida. What the serious fuck? <laughs> I love it. So true. It is so true. Oh, what is going on in the water in Florida, though? Tampa <laughs> specifically, because Tampa, the, the Rays got their second one. I have no doubt that the Bucks are going to make another deep run this year. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, did the Rays go to the World Series and lose last year? Did they at least win their division? Well, the Rays have been a contender for years. I think they did though last year. So of, they uh, damn there won. I mean, they've got a they've got a deep bench. They've got a lot of good players. They damn there won the three major sports they have in the same calendar year. It's unbelievable. So and Tampa of all places, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Champa. Oh, I like that, Champa Bay. Anyway, that wraps up the crank file. Oh, thank you, Florida. Thank you. We'll be right back. back we've added a final segment to the pod which just gives me joy to no extent leon loathes so far danny i haven't heard a single logical reason no no don't accept this it's frustrating and we haven't cured cancer we have not cured cancer i don't know the answer i'm just ranting about it my man let her rip danny i I know that everyone on the podcast just assumes that I'm always friendly and I'm peaches and cream. I know that's, I know that's the persona of this, of this podcast, but where I'm struggling and I'm going to try to put this in words uh, and I don't want to sound unwoke and I don't want to sound political anyway. I'm honestly throwing this out there. What? Or who am I allowed to make fun of anymore? Because I love doing that. I love it. It's, it makes me a terrible person. I get it. But I, I, there's so many things that are happening that make you want to pull your hair out. And, 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 you know, from standing in line to somebody in front of you wearing something completely ridiculous to slow drivers to people that are far too old to even be on the road anymore. And, and you, it doesn't even matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Okay. I told, I was going to do this one calm and do this one calm. What can I make fun of anymore? 
And I think that uh, you pulled this for me, and I appreciate it, Danny. Ricky Gervais nailed it. He said, please stop saying you can't joke about anything anymore. You can. You can joke about whatever the fuck you like. And some people won't like it, and they'll tell you they don't like it. And then it's up to you whether you give a fuck or not. And so on. So it's a good system. It's a good so system. What, so he said, you can rip on anyone or anything. It's just, do you care that it hurt their feelings? Really? That's what I'm getting at this point. I, I used to think, and and this, you know, the Bill Burr episode we were watching, I used to think that, okay, okay, don't make fun of things or people if they're if it's beyond their control. Right. That's that seems to be the off limits that I agree with. They, they, this person was you know, dealt a raw hand. Got it. But if this person was afforded all the opportunities that anybody else was <laughs> that you are, are you then allowed to make fun of them for doing something stupid or no, never, never allowed to make fun of them, never allowed to make fun of them for squandering whatever they squandered or wearing whatever they're wearing or being 450 pounds or whatever it is. You can't ever make comments or you can't say anything about it uh, without coming off as a total asshole. And maybe that's what it, maybe, maybe what I'm ranting about now is that I'm an asshole and I don't like being called an asshole when I do asshole things. So I feel like this has been a therapeutic rant. Uh, I think I've, I think I've answered my own question. I, I have to accept myself as an asshole. I have to say that it's okay. It's okay that I'm an asshole. It's okay that I pick on people uh, that deserve it. And, uh, and I feel like I'm doing a public service by making these rips. That's, and and that's, that's how I'm going to internalize it. So thank you. Thank you, 23. Thank you, Danny, for helping me get through this, this moment. This is better than a, than a couch session and cheaper. <gasps> Hot damn. <laughs> I, want to, uh, I want to acknowledge that Ricky Gervais's tweet was sent on December 30, 31st, 2018. So this was New Year's Eve right before the kickoff of 2019. This is not a COVID-based tweet. This is something that's been kicking around. It's got 60,000 retweets. It's got 3,000 quote tweets. It's got 275,000 likes. And Ricky Gervais has pretty much put it out there in the idea of, uh, from a certain perspective, comedy speaks truth to power. There have been many people that said this over the years. The one that I can think of most recently was Dan Rather, who basically said, yeah, I expect you to be offensive. You're the jester. The jester was rude to the king, and he was the only one that could get away with it because he was the jester. So if you're sitting back thinking, should I worry about what I say? No. If you're a comic, that's your job. That's Dave Chappelle's job. That's Jerry Seinfeld's job. That's the job. So when you see guys like Jerry say, I can't go to colleges anymore because they can't take it. Well, maybe they could never take it, Jerry. It doesn't mean you stop doing what you do. Right. Get out there, be provocative, speak truth to power, show a perspective that other people are unwilling to see. And if they don't I want think- to go to your show, they won't buy a ticket. And if they were offended, it's because they weren't at the show. I think that good comedy is the most intelligent way to disseminate information. I know a lot of people think, 
you know, a good drama. Those are the ones that should win the Oscars. And I always think that good comedies don't get a fair shake because they make you think just as much as the dramas do. They do. They, they, they put up a mirror in front of you and they invoke an emotion and people who haven't spent enough time watching South Park, they don't understand it. They think it's crude humor. They think it's potty mouth humor. Watch it. It is deep, real stuff. And they do such a great job of holding up the mirror and saying, look how absurd you are. <laughs> look how absurd you are. And Dave Chappelle, like you said, does it wonderfully too. And uh, a lot of people, if you only listen to a clip or uh, just a little piece of it, you, you, you think, well, you know, you're, you're just a piece of shit. You know, you're not, you are not somebody that I want to be around because of your opinions on the world, but listen to what they're actually say. I mean, Chappelle got the Mark Twain award and he deserved it. And his speech after the Mark, getting the Mark Twain award was spot on. Mm-hmm. And he was basically saying in, in so many words, don't stop telling jokes. Don't be afraid to tell jokes because of where we are in today's society. So, you've and, got you know, we guys, go up and down. So, no, I mean, you, you've got guys like Chappelle and Bill Burr who are, um, you know, they're standing on the foundation of shock value. And then you've got guys like Bill Maher recently and bill maher is as progressive as they come he'll call himself a libertarian but he's left and he's mm-hmm. out there and he's on the edge and he's educated and he cites his sources but he basically said the same thing in one of his most recent episodes is yeah being woke the pendulum is swung mm-hmm. it's too far it's not enough just to be offended you want to be offended on principle you want to have some reason why you're offended and also if somebody disagrees with you guess what opinions are like assholes everybody's got one so right. the second you raise your voice and say, I'm offended, the person who offended you gets to look at you and say, who are you? Right. So if you're going to be an asshole, be an asshole, own it, enjoy own it. it. Own you don't it. have to speak don't up. Don't hide behind it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that I say to anybody that bitches about cancel culture. Did you have to open your mouth? Did you mm-hmm. have to say it? Was there a gun to your head? No. So own it. And right. conversely, People should be allowed to say whatever they want to say, but there also is a court of public opinion. So the only thing the First Amendment protects you from is the government coming and putting you in a cage. Other than that, you are responsible for whatever you say. So it comes down to everybody has an opinion. There should be personal responsibility with it. And so the idea of what can we say now, it's what Ricky just said. Say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. And some people won't like it and they'll tell you they don't like it. And then it's up to you whether or not you give a shit. It's a good system. Yeah. And, and if anybody's going to say it, Ricky should, the, the fact that that guy got to keep hosting, was it the Oscars or the Emmys? Golden I can't Globes. remember. That which fucker one. did Golden four Globes. or five different Golden Globes. And every year <laughs> he said, this show is stupid and it has no reason to exist. And they invited him back. And he said things that made everyone's jaw drop. You saw celebrities wiggle in their seats because they didn't want Ricky to say anything about him. And he lit it up. And he, you heard the, you know, that the worst reaction, but I think comedians really, really love is the, oh, mm, that, that sound, that's awesome. That yep. means you hit the line. That means you're rubbing racing. You 
are doing what you need to do to be right on the edge to be a good comic. Unvarnished so. truth is the essence of comedy. Yep. So. Godless ape, writer, director, actor, comedian. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> uh, I feel better. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Excellent loathes, Leon. You nailed it this time. And that's our show. Until next week. Great show tonight, Leon. I'm proud of you, man. Hey, you know, I think I think the bourbon really helped out with the sore mouth. So I recommend any uh, anyone out there that had uh, any dental procedures. Bourbon. Get yourself some good sleep, my friend. I hope you heal quickly. <laughs> Thank you, sir. See you next week, my man. See you next week. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>